from our soundstage and auditory office to your hearts and ears across the globe, the following has been crafted with care for your listening ears. I'm your host, Kendwani Mwase, and this is 54 Bytes. Our reflections on episodes past and projections on those yet to come. Last week, I had an illuminating conversation with Janare Yerksa about activism in the Indigenous community. Among other things, we spoke about the connective tissue between the Black community and the Indigenous one, a thread I called allyship. And though I still hold to that term, my guest did inspire me to broaden my vocabulary, to include the concept of solidarity instead of allyship. It got me thinking about language and a common space from which we can all connect, a common set of speaking terms. I followed that rabbit hole into the conversation with my next guest, who's campaigning for a common Pan-African language. Here, in part, is that conversation. But I want to take a few minutes, if you can introduce yourself and just explain a little bit about the work that you do, because I believe you are a professor in Ghana. Yes, my name is Josephine Jahini Kwashi, Associate Professor of Kiswahili at the University of Ghana. I am also currently the Ghanaian director of the Confucius Institute at the University of Ghana. I've been teaching Kiswahili for over 20 years. I came across Kiswahili when I was preparing to enter the university. I saw it as one of the courses on offer, and I was quite excited about it being an African language which is quite developed. And so I applied to read a master's in linguistics at the University of Ghana, and I was looking for a scholarship. (laughs) So I got shortlisted. I attended the interview. It was quite interesting. Lo and behold, a couple of weeks after the interview, I got a message that my dean was looking for me, and she gave me the news that as part of faculty development at the University of Ghana. The university has decided to sponsor me to further my education in Kiswahili so that I could come back and join the faculty at the Kiswahili section. So I took the offer. Yeah. uh, This is how far I've gotten. So when did you first start to get romanced by the language? (laughs) Like, was it before your studies? Like, were you introduced to the language before that? Before, I mean, I was curious. I I wanted to know about it. And indeed, I fell in love with it when I started learning it. And then also, the course is quite broad. When you talk about Kiswahili, I think generally people just think language, but I keep saying that it is more than just a language. It's actually an academic discipline because there are various aspects of the study of Kiswahili. It comes 
with the history and civilization of the Swahili people, the literature, then you come to the linguistics aspect, the cultural aspect. So it's, it's quite a broad academic discipline. How widespread is Kiswahili, both as a language, but also, as you say, like as an academic discipline? Is it quite widespread throughout the continent? I will say that in recent times, in the past seven to 10 years, it's catching on. The South African countries are becoming more and more interested in Kiswahili because of this community that is coming up. You know, we have the East African community and then we have the East and Southern. And so it is catching up in Southern and Africa. Several universities are trying to come up with Kiswahili programs. And I know also that some countries are also trying to get Kiswahili into the basic school curriculum. Oh, that's great. Thank you for the history and the background. I do want to go back to that article that I read about, I think, a position that you had supported. It was a a BBC article. I forget when it was published. But in short, it was an argument that said Swahili should become the lingua franca in the continent. And I think or I believe you were a supporter of that. So I'd love to discuss that. Why do you think that that might be something of interest? The first thing I would like to say is the fact that if we compare Kiswahili to most African languages, I would say that Kiswahili has had an advantage or is privileged to be one of the most widespread, number one. Number two, one of the most developed in terms of documentation of history, documentation of literature, publications. Kiswahili can boast of four centuries of literature, and I'm not too sure of any other African language that can actually do that. Kiswahili has been standardized since 1930. So there is standard Kiswahili, which is learned everywhere. I believe that if Africa has to choose one of its numerous lingua franca, because Swahili is not the only, we have Hausa, we have some other Wolof and all those languages which are also lingua franca in parts of Africa. But Kiswahili has made such progress that I believe if we all join hands to push it a step further, that will be to the advantage of Africa. Then Africa can boast of one lingua franca for the whole continent. That's the dream. That's the dream. That's the dream. No, I appreciate you articulating it. And it's one of those things where I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, why I'm so interested in, in talking to you about that dream. That dream is one of those that feels like it speaks to Pan-Africanism, right? Creating like this common thread, common language that can connect more than it can separate all of us. Mm-hmm. Is that part of what you're thinking, part of what your dream is? Definitely. When a people speak one language, there is no doubt that there will be unity. 
speaking one language is one source of unifier. And uh, we can actually look at the Tanzanian example. You know, there are about 122 languages spoken Tanzania, but almost every Tanzanian speaks and writes Kiswahili. And that was mm. not mm. so from about 200 years ago or even just 100 years ago. That was not so. It took the efforts, especially of European missionaries to East Africa. They also contributed. I mean, if you want to go further back, then we're looking at the Arabs who came to the coast and tried to trade with the people from the interior. It was through trade that Kiswahili spread from the coast of East Africa into the interior of East Africa. And by in the 18th century, when the European missionaries also arrived, uh, Kiswahili had spread to quite a large area in East Africa. And they also felt that if you could speak Kiswahili, then one's mission would be made quite easy because wherever one went, it was possible to get an interpreter. So even if people did not speak Kiswahili, could get someone who speaks Kiswahili and speak the local language, you know. And so the European missionaries became very interested in Kiswahili. And also because the Arabs had stayed there for quite a long time, already there was some documentation of religious or Islamic poetry and compositions, documentation in the Arabic scripts that people, the Swahili scribes were keeping at that time. And these uh, European missionaries were able to get hold of some of these documents, transcribe them, and also preserve them. Because they needed the language for their missionary work, they got interested. And so as far back as, I think, 1850 or so, the first European missionary had actually written a grammar book of Kiswahili. Interesting. Professor, this is remarkable. I'm not fully versed in this, but I'm going to ask you this question about whether or not this is a good idea. And so this is this is why I'm asking about the good idea. So if we were to, let's say, follow through on that dream and we were to have this lingua franca of Kiswahili sort of proliferate throughout the continent, is that better than things like English or French? Where do you see that and how do you see that being different or advantageous to maybe what's going on now where I would say lingua franca globally is English? Where do you land when you hear the, oh, well, maybe it should be English, maybe we should not do that? What's your reaction to that? As I keep saying, <laughs> the world can boast over 7,000 <laughs> languages. And so definitely yes. speaking just one language will not be enough. You understand? Exactly. Right. And so, yeah. and then also our brains are made up in such a way that we can indeed learn several languages even at the same time. One of my colleagues, she speaks about six languages and that's because of the environment in which she grew up. She grew up in a compound house 
where people speak different languages. So she grew up speaking about five or six languages. So speaking more than one language is not a miracle. Mm -hmm. And the more languages one can speak, the better one can communicate with the people of the world. And so for, for Africa, Swahili is spoken by over a hundred million people. So then if one can speak Swahili, certainly it puts you at an advantage. You can communicate with more people than someone who does not speak any Swahili at all. And that is the idea. As many lingua francas that we can have, the better it is for us for communicating globally. The world has become a global yes. village. English, yes, but unfortunately, it's not every part of the world that English is so popular. So you, yes, you may speak English and you may be able to communicate with a lot of people, but you can also run into, into trouble depending on which part sure, of the world sure. you find yourself in. If you find yourself in Hong Kong or China, your English may not be very useful, you understand. Thank you for the That's, clarification, um, because you are a linguist first, is this idea of the more the merrier is what I'm interpreting from that. Thank you for, for that clarity. Hope you enjoyed your bite. Now, it occurs to me that this episode needs far more unpacking, debate, and dialogue than the 10 or so minutes I've afforded it. I mean, come on. The idea of a common African language just might need a few more voices in it to be substantive. So, if you've got an idea of how better to address this, or opinions on what the right approach is, I'd like instead to build the episode with collective voices. Please DM me at Crowd54 on Instagram, and we'll build the follow-up conversation together. Up next, my conversation with Rwandan Canadian musician, Kasa, an unapologetically fun conversation that'll have you up, bopping, moving, and of course, smiling. Until then, happy listening. <laughs>